Welcome to the Class of the Little Sass podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Millspaw, best-selling author and award-winning motivational speaker with over 20 years in the personal development industry. I believe that the more you know, the more you grow. With each podcast episode, I will educate and empower you, girlfriend to girlfriend style, on how to create a happy life from motherhood guidance, career and business advice, to feeling confident in your relationships and everything in between. This is Real Talk Radio. Let's jump right into today's episode. Hey there, super happy you could join me today. Today we are going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. In fact, it's what inspired me to write my very first book, Permission to Be Me, which was published back in 2016. So let's take a deep dive in. Am I an empath or is that just a myth? Okay, so I discovered I was an empath around 2013, 2014. (laughs) Sadly, I'd lived a lot of years before figuring myself out. So I want to shed as much light as I can for anyone in my listening audience that might be exploring this path or know somebody who is an empath, you know, it's just better to understand everyone overall, right? If you got that person in your life, just seems a little more sensitive than the rest. This might explain a lot of things. Okay. So let's just dive right in with a definition of what does it mean to be an empath? The term empath comes from empathy, which is the ability to understand the experiences and feelings of others outside of your own perspective. For example, your friend just lost their dog of 15 years. Empathy is what allows you to understand the level of pain they're going through, even if you've never lost a beloved pet. Now that's one simple explanation It's not to be confused with compassion or relatability because most of us, let's be honest, we like to relate to others when they're telling us a story. We start digging around in our brains for a similar situation so we can relate and then we can have that level of compassion and be that true friend, right? That is not the same thing. Empathy and being an empath is night and day different than just being a kind soul that's listening to their friend tell a story. Now, there is also another classification called HSP, and that stands for highly sensitive person. That is another category altogether, but again, should not be confused as being an empath. Now, there's a couple things. When you go deep diving on Google, you're going to find a lot of things. And I thought of you ahead of time. And in the show notes, there will be quite a few links, one of them or maybe two links to a quiz to see if you even are an empath. Start there, right? Ask yourself some questions. And I'm going to add some articles that I think are interesting as well. If you want to do some deep diving on your own, okay, your own Google spare time. (laughs) So one thing I came across that I thought was kind of interesting was this is the statement literally when I was looking up the definition, it said chiefly in science fiction, A person with the paranormal ability to apprehend the mental or emotional state of another individual. I'm thinking, am I a part of a sci-fi project? I didn't know this. So no, I don't think it's a science fiction thing. I don't think it's a paranormal ability. I think just some of us are wired different. And God had his reasons for all of that. And it's up to us to discover why. That's my opinion. 
Now, going a little bit deeper into some research, <clears throat> the discovery of mirror neurons. Try saying that, okay, without screwing that up. Mirror as in I look in the mirror every day and neurons as in your brain neurons. The discovery of mirror neurons allows a comprehension of empathy as an immediate and compassionate partaking of a response, enabling an understanding of the other person's feelings. So there has been some discovery. Now, how kind of cool is that? We're mirroring neurons from other people? I mean, if you, that's true. And again, I haven't done the scientific research. I'm not taking any claims here. I'm just letting you know what I discovered on my Google deep dive. That is intriguing all by itself. So that could explain a lot. But again, empaths are only a small percentage, less than 20% on the planet are empaths. So if this isn't just a genetic thing that we're discovering in humans, this is a rare situation. Being an empath, if you are one, just know that you're a small percentage and girl, you are powerful. Okay. So own it, own it, own it, own it. So more research. I'm just sharing all my good stuff with you guys. According to Orloff's own experiences. Now that's Orloff with an R in it, not Olaf, not that cute little snowman that I just love so much from the movie Frozen. Because girl, I, I thought that too. <laughs> Orloff, wait a minute. That sounds so familiar. No, this is a doctor. His own experiences, there are three types of empaths physical empaths, emotional empaths, and intuitive empaths. So that got me thinking. I thought I was all three, but you know what? I am super intuitive and emotional, but I'm probably really strong with the intuitive part. Like, good luck trying to lie to me, and my poor daughter can never get away with anything. So, <laughs> but the physical part, I have heard and have interviewed people around their experiences being a physical empath. I had one particular lady that I interviewed years ago on a podca podcast type interview setting that said she could physically feel her dad while he was having a heart attack. And in fact, she didn't even know he was having a heart attack. She was laying in bed as a little girl, just in pain, trying to sleep and couldn't figure out why she was in so much pain, then finds out her dad was actually having a full-blown heart attack in the next room. So that's, again, something intriguing pretty interesting to explore. Now, I believe the better you understand yourself, the better you can understand others. And if you're going to get in the self-help industry or ever, gosh, just have a relationship with someone, you need to learn about yourself. So please, please discover if this is you, you may have the same aha moment that I had back in 2013 when I started to connect the dots. And I had lived a lot of life before then. This is my late 30s. Um, let's see, do the math. Yes, late 30s. I should know already who I was. What a late time in life to figure out, oh, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. There's a label for it. That I don't belong feeling or kind of feeling like you're all by yourself in a crowd. That's normal. It's okay. Again, goes back to my books, Permission to Be Me, Explaining Myself, Understanding Myself. And I had so many people come forward after reading that book saying, I'm an empath. I didn't know that. This is so cool. I always wondered 
why I felt like I didn't belong, you know, and the other things that come along. So a little bit about, I'm going to go into some of my experiences, and then I'm going to give you some relatability factors, see if you can kind of connect the dots. And then, you know, coping mechanisms, things of that nature will come in future episodes. I will always be here to support you. Because step one is first just discovering who you are. (laughs) Step two is now what? What do I do with this knowledge? And I will get into more of that. And again, in future episodes, I don't want to take up your whole day today. So I didn't even know what the word was until I started doing an interview series similar to a podcast back in 2013 and had stories such as the one I just shared with you about the girl that felt her dad's heart attack. Now, I always thought, well, I'm just a sensitive girl. As a little girl, I had, (laughs) you know, what little girl doesn't idolize her father? I still do to this day and I'm 48 years old. But um, I was a sensitive child. You can ask any of my siblings. My dad would just look at me wrong and the, you know, the big crocodile tears would come down my face and that's all I needed. You know, I'm never doing that again. Whatever it was, that disappointed dad. So back to that. Were you a sensitive child? Did you feel like you could feel the disappointment from your parents? Again, my dad would just give me a look. That's all it took. I could feel it. And I would never get in trouble again. You know, that kind of feeling. I also dated a guy for a while that, unfortunately, just called me fragile. Do people call you that? Do you have those nicknames? Or you better stay home. This event's going to tire you out. Or, you know, he would try to take me to places that just didn't vibe with me negative energy, a lot of partying going on. Um, I don't want to be in an environment where everyone's drunk and acting like fools, you know, saying things they wouldn't normally say, ridiculing each other, a lot of disrespect, not the best energy. So when I would stop going or suggesting I not attend, he labeled me as fragile. I took it personal. You know, it stung a little bit. I cared about this person and I cared about what he thought. But you know what? He's right. He was right. I didn't know that then. This was before my 2013 aha moment. Other things that started to show up that I kind of reflected back as I did some research again, because again, empaths just seem to know things. And we don't even know where that fact came from. I was working for a global business coaching company. I was one of their top recruiters. And I would just know when someone was going to buy. And it used to drive my direct management crazy because there was no, no script for that. There was no structure behind it. There was no spreadsheet that could back up my words. I just knew. I didn't even, I, you know, it just, I know they're buying, they're going to close. Not sure exactly when, but trust me on this. I've got this. And it goes back and I could give you a million stories that would relate to that particular incident. I remember sitting in a conference room in one of my corporate jobs and my coworker at the time next to me was really unusually quiet that day. I could feel her thinking about quitting. 
Now, when I say unusually quiet, I don't think you understand. Yes, it was a boardroom. This girl was loud, boisterous, a feisty redhead who had always a ton of things to say. She had a very outgoing personality. So for her to be unusually quiet during a conference meeting was already off, but I was sitting directly next to her and I could feel her contemplating leaving the job. Now, right after that meeting, I opened up my email and she had just given her two week notice. So that stuff like that happened to me over and over and over again. And I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, am I a psychic? And I thought, should I explore these gifts? And sister friend, that led me down a spiral, a spiral of a spiritual tunnel that I will explain about in other episodes. But I don't want you to assume the same things that I did. You're not a witch. You're not some paranormal creature. You're not an alien. Some people might bite back on those words, but I don't care. You're not crazy. You're not weird. You have a special gift. Okay, so let me kind of go through some pros and cons of being an empath. Okay, pros. You can provide emotional support for others. Do you ever feel like people are coming to you all the time with their problems? No. I will share coping mechanisms in future episodes, but that could lead to more problems, right? Got to have healthy boundaries. Otherwise, everyone is showing up. It's kind of like that Peanuts gang. You see Lucy sitting there, you know, (laughs) in her booth for five cents, psychological help or something, or the counselor's in. I can't remember. That's what I think of like, no, I don't need a line on my lawn of people lining up to come tell me their problems, but it could be a pro. Maybe that's why some of your friends find you so, you know, and and important in their life. They cherish you. Another pro could be, you know, when someone is in need of help comes in handy when you've got little kids, when you're a mama, another pro, you can tell if someone will be good for you. Like, is this a good relationship or not? I use my empath radar all the time. Friends, boyfriends, doesn't matter anything. Do I belong here? <laughs> Clients, you got that spidey sense that's going, no, back away, disappear, <laughs> slowly disappear. So some of the cons, you may often feel emotionally drained. You might find it hard to find time for yourself. And another con would be your ability to read others may feel invasive to some. I've had some men in my life exit quickly because they know, one, they can't lie, I'll I'll feel it. Two, I might be reading too much into what they're not saying. You know, just kind of feeling and knowing, you know, can't date a cheater because you're going to (laughs) know. So it might feel invasive to some like that or trying to get away with murder. So let me go through some fun little things here I've got listed as well. And I've really wrote in detail about this topic in my next upcoming book as well, which is permission to be all of me because I left out a lot in that first book. It was a starter book. So I had to write a second one and that one's almost finished and ready to be published. So, you know, Jeff Foxworthy, Mr. You just might be a redneck comedian. I kind of stole his little joke telling you might be a redneck kind of vibe with this next little step that I want to share with you. 
Here are some signs that you might be an empath. <clears throat> you feel very drained when you're out in public or in a big crowd. If shopping malls or busy grocery stores overwhelm you and you feel exhausted by the time you get home, you just might be an empath. My daughter, there's, you could set a timer. She loves to shop that girl works in retail, but you can see it in her face when she's done, she's done. It's like instant yawn, the eyes glaze over. She don't care anymore, get me out of here, mom. So she's definitely a sensitive soul too. Here's another sign. You always cry when you watch movies or TV shows that have emotional scenes. And I'm not talking about a few tears trickling down your face. I'm talking about the ugly cry. Like it happened to you. You could feel it. If so, you just might be an empath. How about another one? Your boss changes your workstation to a new location on the other side of the office. And you never had issues before, but now you're stuck next to sitting by this very negative person and all of a sudden you're feeling very gloomy every day hmm you just might be an empath if you suddenly feel a negative energy shift in the room as someone approaches that doesn't have good intentions you know what i'm saying your vibe shows up before you do oh body language or not you can feel it you just might be an empath and lastly, if you start to experience the same physical problems as the person you're spending a lot of time with, you just might be an empath, okay? Any of these kind of sparks an interest in you, kind of uh, <clears throat> thinking out loud. Some of that sounds familiar, Carrie. Maybe I am one. I need to go to that little link you got at the bottom with the quiz and check out and see if I am one. Now, back to the myth side. I'm hoping to debunk the myth side um, as we do more and more research on uncovering what an empath is, how to cope as an empath. Is it a superpower or is it a curse? Trust me, I've gone around and around with that one. <clears throat> I have struggled with, you know, do I just want to isolate myself all the time? Is that the solution? I don't want to feel the negativity. I don't want to feel the evil that's out there. I don't want to feel other people's problems. But at the same time, if I walk into a positive situation, such as church or a wonderful concert, or this, so many people are all happy and praising God together, that's like 50 times better for an empath. We're, we're like on a high for days after that. Our bucket is full. But on the opposite side of that, you're going to feel the negativity and it's going to carry you too with this opposite situation. So some things to think about. So four popular myths, I want to share these with you and misconceptions about being an empath. Again, I want to debunk this as a bad thing. Myth number one, empaths are self-absorbed. Uh, no, <laughs> self-absorbed. We're always helping everybody. Are you kidding me? We're the opposite of self-absorbed. In fact, we should be more self-absorbed. That's how I feel anyway. I feel like I'm solving everybody else's problems all the time. I need to focus on me for once. The truth is we often focus more on others than ourselves. So think about that. If you've come across, we are, um, very, moody and quiet at times 
Maybe we're excess, excessively absorbed in thinking too much, trying to sort things, what we're feeling, the, the energy that we're receiving. <clears throat> Maybe it's, um, you know, like the, an encounter we just had with someone and we're just still trying, trying to process all of it. Doesn't mean we're self-absorbed. Myth number two, empaths are mentally ill. Well, there's some truth to this and it could be misinterpreted truth though. We are mag magnets of negative energy. This often creates psychological disbalance within us. So unfortunately, people are attracted to us that need mental help. They feel better around us. We clear their energy. They just dumped everything on us and walked away feeling better. Unfortunately, an empath that doesn't know how to have healthy boundaries will actually feel worse. We'll take it on as if, as if it's our own problem, which again, healthy boundaries, guys, got to say, no, it's okay. It's survival as an empath, 100%. Myth number three, <clears throat> empaths are psychologically frail. Again, I'm fragile. Oh, I can't go to that party because I'm fragile. Does it still bug me a little bit? I think it does. <laughs> the truth, we are biologically programmed to be more sensitive and in tune with our surrounding environment. So it's not that we're frail. Think of it as like hypersensitive. Our antennas are higher. We're on stimulation overload because our body's wired that way. Almost like a bunch of tentacles if we were an insect that are out there touching and feeling and you can feel someone's emotions for you know, four blocks away. No, not quite that far. But if you're in a grocery store, you might be feeling four or five cashiers lines down from that crazy grocery store and understanding and feeling some challenges there. So no, we're not psychologically frail. And myth number four that I uncovered, empaths are lazy. <laughs> I had to laugh at this one because my natural default is to work. I wish it wasn't, but I have this natural default setting, work, 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 and work some more. Mostly because a lot of my work doesn't feel like work. So it feels like play or a hobby. Um, doing it in a podcast like this doesn't feel like work to me. This is playtime. This is fun. Opposite of lazy. In fact, I don't know if you're like me, but certain days of the, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't have a mental checklist of something I did, even on my soulful Sundays that I'm so adamant about chilling out, taking it easy, not doing anything. I still want to be productive and at least do a load of laundry or something quick. You know, that's just kind of my thing. Now, the truth is empaths often lack mental, emotional, and physical energy due to our intense empathic ability to understand others. So we're not lazy, we're recuperating. I love social time but I'm socially selective for one reason and one reason alone. I need to recover. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. I can do one day with girlfriends or have an outing event. And then the next day I need to recover. Then I'm back at it again. I can do maybe two days in a row. That's pushing it. Three days you're gonna get, huh, just kind of a, a, a version of me, <laughs> not my best version, the sleepy version by day three. 
So unfortunately, because of that, we can have, as empaths, can have chronic fatigue syndrome. We can have other physical issues like headaches, insomnia, fibromyalgia. So we can take on that stuff. It just stores in your body, autoimmune deficiencies and so on. So take, take, take a deep dive, my friend. If this is you, please take a deep dive. I think I will have to do a part two just on coping mechanisms for empaths because I think it's super important, super important. That would take a little longer. Um, One thing I can share with you as we close out is one coping mechanism that works really well for me is alone time. And sometimes that is a challenge. I'm lucky. I'm a single mom. I have one daughter. She's like a roommate at this point. I always joke and say, we have a sorority house. She's 18. She'll be 19 in a couple months. She's got her own job, her own boyfriend, her own car. She comes and goes. You know, she does her thing. And it's kind of fun at this stage. But I know a lot of you have five kids or a husband or working from home with five kids and a husband or whatever that looks like. And alone time is is a myth. Speaking of myths, (laughs) it's never happening. Alone time is one of those pipe dreams you wish about and you're putting it on your Christmas list, right? Or something you want for your birthday or Mother's Day. It's so important. Please make this a priority. Please put this at the top of your list. You need alone time, my friend. And I'll tell you why. It's so important to get quiet and be by yourself so you can disassociate your own emotions from others. And to better decipher what's my emotion and what is theirs. It's super easy for us to get consumed with the powerful emotions of others around us. If my daughter's anxious, I'm anxious. If there's a lot of stress in the work environment and my clients are stressed out, I'm stressed out. If I'm driving at rush hour and I can feel the panic energy of everyone had a long day, they just want to get home or they're rushing to wherever, I feel that energy and I can't relax in the car. So that's Again, why it's so important to get this precious alone time. It is not selfish. Keep that in mind. Write that down. Self-care is not selfish. It's survival. Because when you take your time to fill yourself up, you can now pour from a full cup into others versus an empty cup. And I say that a lot. Something I live by. You can't pour from an empty cup as much as you want to help others. If you're burned out and it's been a long time since you took care of you, you're not going to be able to give much. People are going to get scraps, right? They're not going to get your best self. So please do your best to take care of you. And I promise in future episodes, I will go deeper into coping mechanisms, healthy boundaries, and how to really tap into the superpower that you have as an empath. Again, look at the show notes. Check out the links. There'll be a quiz in there as well to see if you even are one. And even so, if you enjoyed this episode, I appreciate you being here. Thank you for your time. And you go have an amazing week, girlfriend. You deserve it. Hi there, friend. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and double check that you're subscribed or following. And if you've got a quick 30 seconds, it would mean the world to me if you could leave me a five-star review and share what you specifically liked about this episode. 